Well, thanks for listening to I've Got News For You. If you like it, hit follow or subscribe in your app and you'll get a new episode from us every morning. The 15th of March, 2023. The Lint Cafe Siege. It was one of the worst days in the modern history of one of the great cities in the world. in Sydney, Australia. From news.com.au. I'm Andrew Buckalo and I've got news for you. The Lint Cafe Siege is an event that's etched into the memory of most Australians. A lone gunman held 18 people hostage in the heart of Sydney with the terrifying attack coming to an end after more than 16 hours. Two deceased amongst the hostages and six that were uninjured. We also have a lone gunman who has been shot and killed and we have a male police officer who has been injured as a result of gunshot wound to the face. It's been eight years since that horrific event but now it's back in the headlines thanks to a new book called Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. It's written by the member of the New South Wales Tactical Operations Unit who shot and killed the terrorist, and it's a gripping account of what happened during the siege. In this special two-part episode, the officer, who we'll refer to as Ben as his identity is suppressed, will relive the incident that traumatised a nation. We all wholeheartedly believe that it was a bomb, and the moment that we were required to go in, that, yeah, he would detonate that bomb and would kill everyone inside, including us. We'll get underway in just a moment. From news.com.au, this is I've Got News For You. December 15, 2014. It was just after 8.30 on a Monday morning when the terrorist walked into the Lint Cafe in Sydney's Martin Place holding a bag containing a shotgun. 18 people were inside at the time, 10 customers and 8 staff members. At first, the terrorist appeared to be a typical customer, ordering tea and a piece of cake. But after an hour inside, he summoned the manager and told him to lock the doors. He then told him to call triple zero and inform them that Australia was under attack by the Islamic State. Ben, when did you first hear about the hostage situation? So that morning, I was at a police-mandated well check, it's called, with a police psychologist. I returned back into the office around 9am and instantly felt something was wrong, something was up. There was um, negotiators running around and everything appeared full on. One of the sergeants came up to me and said, there's a counter-terrorism job in Martin Place, Sydney. So that was the, the first I was aware of it. And is it right that you kind of knew that there was probably going to be a terrorist attack in Australia at some stage? There was kind of heightened tension at that time, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we had been doing numerous counter-terrorism jobs in the years leading up to it. Obviously, since 9-11, we all felt that it was it was a matter of time till it came to our shores and, and something big happened in Australia. Mention a tweet that New South Wales police have uh, just issued in the last minute or so. A police operation is underway in Martin Place in Sydney CBD. Okay, I just want to um, stop just for a moment and, and pause you there. We've just got some breaking news. There's a police operation uh, underway in the heart of the city. One block of Martin Place has been cordoned off and several police vehicles are at the scene. An ABC reporter has seen one officer with a weapon drawn. Just here at Channel 7, all of the staff here 
are being told to get away from the windows. And this is frightening and chilling stuff. What you're watching is live. It's happening here in Martin Place, 30, 40 metres from where we're standing. Uh, we have cameras all over this for you now. We understand where those police are. That's on the corner of Elizabeth Street and Martin Place. Even they're moving away now. So we... Guns have been drawn. So you get told that you have to rush to the scene. What was it like when you arrived in Martin Place and you initially took up position? We rushed there in the, the Bearcat, the armoured vehicle. And the three of us, we pulled up on Elizabeth Street, so down below the cafe on Martin Place. There were police everywhere, general duties police. There were already numerous media cameras and reporters everywhere, but there was also... Um, just uh, bystanders and members of the public being removed. So, yeah, this scene was quite hectic as, as we arrived and our intelligence was coming in by the second. As you can imagine, everyone wanted to know what was what was occurring. Um, so, yeah, I, I met up with our team. We had a team on in that position, so it's on the corner of Elizabeth and Martin Place, and I was given a quick briefing by the supervisor, as to what we knew at that stage. After a few hours on the scene, Ben and his team asked their boss if they could move forward for a closer look of what was happening inside the cafe. Myself and my shield man, we approached the, our sergeant, our team leader, and requested that we move forward because there was very little intelligence coming in at that stage. So he moved forward with the, the armoured shield and the two of us went to the first window on Phillips Street and looked in. We were able to see numerous hostages in there who were in in a very distraught state, I'll say that much. Um, And, yeah, we saw two of the four windows where there were hostages holding up the black Islamic flags. And I also saw the the terrorists at that stage um, numerous times I observed him with a shotgun, a pump-action shotgun, and a big black backpack, which was full. It was full of something, and I could see wires coming out of the bottom. Uh, he marched himself around the cafe. was very uh, careful when passing any of the, the windows and would always have a hostage in front of him with the shotgun pointed in their back. The gunman, who reportedly calls himself the brother, has contacted three local news outlets making demands. One, an ISIS flag in exchange for one hostage. Two, a call to the Prime Minister. He claims that he's planted two bombs in the cafe and two others in the city. Did he make eye contact with you at any stage when you are up close having a look in this window? Myself and my shield man, we were able to look in for a good 25 to 30 minutes or so. So we, we, we had a good look in there. We were relaying all this intelligence back to our team leader and obviously he'd pass them on to the bosses. Um, so in, in that time, I had a good chance to observe him and obviously hostages. I saw the backpack through all of our training, our briefing. We'd done specialist training with the Army Thower, I believe it was, which are the combat engineers, the experts in bombs and explosive IEDs, and I believed wholeheartedly, as did my my shield man and my sergeant, who also came forward, that that it was in fact a bomb. 
Convinced that the terrorist had a bomb, it quickly dawned on Ben and his team that they and all the hostages inside would be unlikely to survive the siege. He'll tell us more in just a moment. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. From news.com.au. This is I've Got News for You. This is a very disturbing incident. Uh, I can understand the concerns and anxieties of the Australian people at a time like this. But our thoughts and prayers must above all go out to the individuals who are caught up in this. Uh, I can think of almost nothing more distressing, more terrifying than to be caught up in such a situation and our hearts go out to those people. Prime Minister Tony Abbott speaking on the day of the siege there. Ben, you and your team were in position outside the cafe and you'd observed the terrorist with what you thought was a bomb strapped to his back. You wrote in your book Tiger, Tiger, Tiger that you thought it was only a matter of time until the terrorist detonated the bomb. Yeah, we all wholeheartedly believe that it was a bomb. And the moment that we we were required to go in, that that um that yeah he would detonate that bomb and would kill everyone inside, including us. So I can't necessarily speak for everyone else, but from the conversations we had, that was definitely our belief that yeah once we made entry, we were all going to die. Far out. And you know, once you had that realization, I understand that a few of you reached out to your partners and your family members. Yeah, we we. Our way of dealing with situations like this is is normally lighthearted and joking, but uh, I, I do recall one conversation we had, and it was it was quite intense, where we we all faced the reality that when we went in, that that, that was going to be it. And yeah, I I was texting my my partner at the time, doing my best to say my goodbyes without letting her know exactly. What, what I believe my predicament was and I got her to send more more photos of, of our baby girl so I could look over them because I, yeah, like I said, I totally believe that I wouldn't, wouldn't be seeing them again. Police snipers were set up in three positions during the siege. They were located in the Seven Network building, the Westpac building and the Reserve Bank building. Ben, a lot of people wondered why snipers didn't take the terrorist out during the event. Can you explain why that wasn't an option? Yeah, that, that was one of the many contentious issues. Um, I'm a trained sniper myself and not saying it wasn't an option, but it, it definitely wasn't. I don't, I don't see it as a viable option. Um, as I said, he, he had the, the backpack bomb on him the whole time. Anytime he exposed himself to to any of the windows where a potential shot could occur he always had a hostage in front of him with the shotgun pushed to either their back or the back of their head um when when shooting someone the body's natural reaction is to jerk or spasm and unless you shoot them at the top of the brain stem which is extremely hard shot as you can imagine mm. uh 
yeah, so the, the body's natural reaction would be to jerk, hence pull the trigger, and that would then obviously lead to the hostage being shot. Also, common practice, as it, as it still is, for backpack bombs would be to have a dead man switch on them. Mm. So if the the carrier, the terrorist, has has a dead man switch, they they often hold it in their hand, and the moment they are killed, it's uh, as as they die, they release release their hand, and that then activates the dead man switch. So for me, I'm of the belief that no, considering that uh, he always had a hostage in front of him, that would lead to more than likely the hostage being killed and the possibility of a dead man switch hmm. would then you know, lead to everyone being blown up inside. At 3.30pm, there was finally some good news. Six hours after the siege began came a dash for freedom. Three hostages running through a rear exit and being ushered to safety by police. A couple of hours later, two women followed their terror written all over their faces. Channel 7 reporter Chris Reason was watching from inside the Seven Network building in Martin Place as some of the hostages escaped. When we saw that rush of escapees, we could see from up here at this vantage point, the gunman got extremely agitated as uh, as he realised those five had got out. He started screaming orders at the the people inside. The hostages uh, remained behind. As the siege dragged on, the terrorist grew increasingly frustrated that his demands weren't being met. In an alarming move, he suggested to some of the hostages that they should call their family members. Then, just after 2am, with the siege in its 16th hour, another group of hostages decided to make a run for it. Six of them managed to escape with the terrorist shooting at them as they fled. I hear this crack. And there's just this, like, explosion of glass above the door that we've just run out of. And Joel and Harry have just ducked beneath it. And I hear Joel just scream out, he's chasing us. That was one of the hostages speaking to the ABC's Four Corners. Despite the gunfire, Ben and the Tactical Operations Unit were told to hold their positions. Ben, that's a decision that you're critical of in your book, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Yeah, I I tried... I was... was Tried to be quite diplomatic in relation to the boss's decision making. I can't, I don't know all the information that they had throughout the the day. Uh, I am critical at the end when when the, the the six or so hostages made their escape and the ter- I keep calling the terrorist. I don't even like to mention his name, mm. but when they made their escape, he. He fired on them, just just missing them above their head. There's there's clear footage of it, and from that moment that he's he's fired on hostages in an attempt to kill them, um, I cannot understand why we were not allowed to go in from that moment. And I am critical of that. It was some eleven minutes later, I believe, that we were allowed to to go in. We'll be back in just a moment.
News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winter? <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. From news.com.au. This is I've Got News For You. With the terrorist reeling over the escape of more hostages, he told the cafe manager, Tory Johnson, to get on his knees and put his hands on his head. At 2.13am on the morning of December 16, he then shot and killed Mr Johnson. 50 seconds later, Ben and the tactical operations unit stormed the cafe. I'm now hearing extremely, extremely loud explosions. Indeed, Siobhan, we can see live pictures here from Martin Place. Uh, We can see some uh, heavily armed policemen and flashes of gunfire. It does appear, although these are unconfirmed reports, that police are uh, making an attempt to uh, shoot fire into the Lynch Cafe potentially resolve this situation. On tomorrow's episode of the I've Got News For You podcast, Ben will tell us what happened when he got into the Lint Cafe and came face to face with the terrorist. I'll chat to you then. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong, both in Australia and the U.S., and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus. Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.